0: just like everybody that has come before me, thank you guys so much for being here. You guys are choosing to be here on your spring break, which is always kind of cool that you would choose to be with us. It's a really special night tonight. Um, Our uh, intern Kaylee, she's going to be preaching tonight. And uh, it is her first sermon that she's ever preached, and we are, like, super, super thrilled to share it with you. We're going to be tag-teaming, and um, we're going to be sharing from Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to get out Matthew chapter 6. Um the table of contents is all the way to the left side of your Bible. If you're unfamiliar with, um, if you have a paper Bible, go there, Matthew chapter 6. If you have an electronic Bible and you want to follow along with us in the YouVersion Bible app, open the Version Bible app, go to the bottom right-hand corner, it says more, and then tap events, and then you will see Bethel Youth, that event will populate, tap that, and then hit save event. And then you will be able to see all of the, the sermon notes from tonight, as well as some resources that we would love to um, have you read so that you can um, dive in deeper to the topic of fasting because that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. So for the past few weeks, um, we've been in a sermon series about prayer And uh, We've covered the foundation of prayer, we've talked about prayers of lament, we've talked about prayers of petition, and tonight we are going to cover the topic of fasting and prayer. And if you missed any of those sermons and you want to listen to those, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or um, Google Podcasts, and if you type in Bethel, Y-T-H, you will see it there. Um, Feel free to subscribe There And um, listen to the podcast um, if you ever miss a sermon. So if you haven't already, grab your Bible or your phone, turn to Matthew 6, and um, Kaylee's going to give you a bit of context surrounding Matthew chapter 6 and our passage as you um, are turning there. So give it up for Kaylee.
1: Thank you guys. Hey guys. um, Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I'm super excited to get to share God's word with you all. Um, So like Pastor Taylor said, we're going to start with some context. Um, So tonight we will be reading a passage that is found in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the first public teaching we have of Jesus Uh, The purpose of this sermon was for Jesus to teach his followers that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom from the way the kingdom of this world operates. In Matthew 4, we read that Jesus' audience is a large crowd of people who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed And these people were seen as unimportant and insignificant in the eyes of society, yet they flocked to Jesus, and he began to teach them. So let's take a look at the passages immediately before the scripture we're going to be diving into. In Matthew 6, the first three sections of this chapter talk about giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. And if you read these sections consecutively, you would begin to notice a theme between them because they're all connected. Jesus is bringing to light the corrupt motivations a person can have when they practice the spiritual disciplines of giving, praying, and fasting. And in these verses, Jesus is teaching his audience not to place value on receiving praise from others and to be seen by them. When Jesus teaches about giving, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And when he talks about um, praying, he teaches, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. A few weeks ago, Taylor taught about the Lord's Prayer, and he mentioned that the posture of our heart and our intentions is what God looks at. So with all of that being said, let's jump into the topic of fasting. You've all probably heard the term fasting before, and it's probably been in relation to intermittent fasting, other world religions, or for health reasons. But the term fasting simply means to abstain from eating food. But there are many reasons why a person could choose to fast. As I was researching about fasting, I found some insight from family practitioner Diana Meeks, and she says, in some religions and spiritualities, Fasting is a way to cleanse and purify the body and is considered an act of sacrifice. Fasting can also be used to lose weight in cases of morbid obesity. Some individuals use fasting as a means to detoxify their body. Other times, medical testing or surgery may necessitate a period of fasting before the procedure. You can see that there are many ways that abstaining from food is practiced within our culture. But what does fasting mean within Christianity? Let's look together to Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18 to find what Jesus taught about fasting. In this passage, the Jewish people had a practice and rhythm of fasting, but it had lost its original intent. Let's stand together as Bubbles comes up to read our text in Matthew 6, verses 16
0: through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, pour oil, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees, what is done in secret will reward you.
1: You guys can be seated. Thank you, Bubbles. Awesome. So in this time period, Jewish people were only required by Levitical law to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. But in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, who were a group of Jewish religious leaders, would voluntarily fast twice a week. Ironically enough, the two days they chose to fast were the two busiest days of the week in the marketplace where people would be buying and selling there. This further reveals their motivation to be seen by others— Jesus says in verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And as I was reading this verse, I immediately had three questions What does it mean to look somber? And what exactly is a hypocrite? And what does it mean that they were disfiguring their faces? Let's take a look at these three questions together. So, what does it mean to look somber? To look somber means to look sorrowful, dull, and depressed. Jesus is instructing his followers to not make themselves look sad and miserable while fasting like the hypocrites intentionally did. So what's a hypocrite? D.A. Carson teaches, hypocrites originally referred to Greek actors who wore different masks to play various roles. Jesus criticizes the religious leaders, most notably the Pharisees, for a particular form of hypocrisy doing the right things for the wrong reasons. The fact that they were fasting was not the problem. It was their motives for fasting that made the religious leaders hypocritical. It can be easy to do the right things for the wrong reasons when we're not thinking about our motives. Now our last question is, what does it mean that they disfigured their faces? Disfigure indicates leaving one's face unwashed and sprinkled with ashes with the intention of publicizing one's hardships. Theologian Gregory Brown teaches in Matthew 6.16, Christ describes how the religious leaders commonly abused the discipline of fasting. They would purposefully look sullen by disfiguring their faces. Disfigure their faces literally means covering their faces. They would commonly do this with dirt and ashes so that everybody could see. In addition, they would wear their oldest and dirtiest clothes during their fast to be noticed by others. Now that we know what it means to look somber, how they were being hypocritical, and what it means to disfigure one's face, the question now is why? What were their intentions in doing this? To answer this question, let's read verse 16 together again. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. The Pharisees would purposefully change their appearance to make themselves look sorrowful, dull, and depressed by covering their faces with literal ashes and dirt so that others would see that they were fasting and think of them as super spiritual. Remember, Jewish law only required them to fast once a year, but these people were fasting publicly two times a week. They were doing this because they desired others to notice them. They wanted to receive praise and honor for appearing righteous and holy and super close to God. In all three of the passages in Matthew, they were doing the right things by giving, praying, and fasting. But their motivation in doing them was completely wrong, making them hypocritical. Let's continue to the second part of verse 16. It says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. The hypocrite's full reward is receiving the praises, adoration, and attention of others. They would get no reward from God because their motivation behind what they were doing was not honoring to God. Again, D.A. Carson says, The Pharisees' great weakness was that they loved men's praises more than than God's praises. So from Jesus' teaching in verse 16, we can conclude that as followers of Jesus, we are expected to fast— that fasting is not a tool for self-exaltation, to be seen by others or to receive praise, and that God sees our motivations. The main takeaway of verse 16 is that Jesus cares about a person's heart and he sees their intentions. We see this also in 1 Samuel sixteen seven, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at our hearts, and he deeply cares about why we do the things that we do. He desires that our motivations would not be to be seen by others, but rather out of love and reverence for him. So how does all of this apply to us right now? I am sure that we can all remember a time in our lives when we have craved the attention of someone whether that's our friends, or a boy or girl that we like, or our teacher, or our parents. We have had a desire for them to notice us. So we have tried to perform or put on a show to be seen by them. So maybe we've done this by making sure we have the perfect grades, or doing really well in a sport or activity, or purposely dressing up really nice in hopes to be seen by them. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to do any of those things. But my question is, have we ever thought about why we do them? What is our intention? Do we solely do it to be seen by others and to get their praise? What Jesus is trying to communicate to his followers and to us today is that we need to take a look at our hearts and ask ourselves, what is my motivation behind what, am I, what I am doing? Am I doing this to honor God Or am I doing this for others to think of me as special and praiseworthy? What I believe Jesus is trying to show us in verse 16 is that it is when we examine our hearts that we can begin to uncover wrong motives and realign our hearts with God in a way that honors him and the way he created us to be. Now that we've looked at how fasting was being practiced incorrectly, let's take a look at how Jesus brings the focus off of ourselves and onto the true reason one should fast.
0: So if you read verse 17, it says this, but when you fast, so just like Kaylee said, we've looked at at how it was practiced incorrectly. Verse 17 starts to begin where this is how you are to fast. It says, but when you fast, Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So if you remember, um, the audience Jesus was speaking to, In the Sermon on the Mount was primarily Jewish, and Jewish people were required to fast. Um, They were required to fast on the Day of Atonement, and just like Kaylee said, these Jewish leaders that Jesus is calling out, they they were fasting twice a week. But however, Scripture does not command nor require Christians to fast. The command to fast was part of the Levitical law, just as Kaylee noted earlier, and that was for the Israelite people on the Day of Atonement um, to mourn their sin as a part of their repentance of their sin to God. And this is what Jesus was referring to, but here's a question that we need to ask ourselves. If it's not commanded, should Christians still partake in fasting? And the answer is really simple, actually. Even though it's not directly commanded by Jesus, it's not directly as a command in the New Testament. It is profoundly beneficial. To, uh, it's a profoundly beneficial practice for Christians to take part in. We're going to jump into that in in a few minutes, but um, let's keep going. In the context of what Jesus is speaking, fasting was a part of their regular belief system. In in verse 17, he says, when you fast. But just like Kaylee said, um, over time they would lose sight of why they were fasting. They were losing sight of the motivation behind the true meaning of why they would fast and pray, why they would give to the needy. And this is what Jesus is pinpointing. Also in verse 17, Jesus gives the the instructions to these people. He tells them to put oil on your head. It says to wash your face. So, um... Putting oil in our head is a really not a normal thing for us, right? Unless it's like argan oil or what are those other things that you put in your hair? Somebody help me. Tea tree tree oil, argan oil, all these different things. There's like heat treatment things, but we don't, putting oil in our hair is not a, a really normal practice, um, but here's the cool thing about the passage. If we read this text, we're gonna see why Jesus would instruct them to do these things. It says, but when you fast, put on your heads, watch your face, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Okay, so did you see in verse 18, the, the verse, the, these two words, it says, so that. So this is our first clue that what is about to be said next is why you would do these two things. He says, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. So what we did here is, um, we'll get into the, the details of the oil and all those different things, but what we did here was we used the passage to answer our question. So here's a little um, hermeneutics, and you can Google the word later, but here's some, some practical Bible study here. So when you look at the biblical text, um, it's important to see the structure of the sentence and then key in on words that will explain what is taking place and what is is happening. And this is why we always talk about context and how you have to read about 10-ish verses before the text that you're studying, and about 10 verses after the text that you're studying to help you understand the bigger picture of what's taking place. So the danger of not doing this is that you can cherry pick verses out of the Bible, use them without their original intention and make them say whatever you want them to say. Unfortunately, this is not using the scripture um, appropriately. Or accurately, and I want to illustrate it this way. How frustrated do you get when you tell something? You tell a story to maybe a friend or your parents or whoever the case may be. You tell them a story, and then you you find out that that person told another person. But here's the thing: they didn't tell them the whole story. They only used a couple sentences. They used them out of order. They didn't explain the whole situation. And what happens is you were painted as like a rude person that handled maybe a situation incorrectly. And what happened was they told these other people and they were they didn't have the full context. Does that make sense? It's interesting how we get frustrated when when people take our words out of context. But it's interesting how we take God's word out of context all the time and this has to change for us. All right, so we're going to, context is key. All right, we're going to get back into our text. So why did Jesus tell them to put oil in their hair and to wash their heads? Um, we can see that the reason that he said this was so that um, people wouldn't notice that they were fasting. Here's the thing. Um, this was actually just proper hygiene. So um they didn't have like running water, they didn't have showers in their houses, they didn't have hot water, they didn't have any of these different things. And so what this oil would do is it would actually um, provide like perfume for them. Remember they lived in the Middle East, it was really hot, it was really dirty, and it was really sweaty, and they used animals to get everywhere. So you know what animals do, they eat food, and then what do they do? They poop, and they poop everywhere, okay? And so it was a very kind of dirty place to be, and so they would pour oil on their heads, and they would kind of wash their bodies with water so that they would smell better. So Jesus is telling these people, hey, I want you to look normal. I want you to look normal. I want you to go about your normal routine so that people don't see, oh, this person's fasting. Oh, it's not even the Day of Atonement. Like, they are super spiritual, Just like Kaylee said, the motivation of these um, Pharisees was to impress others. Once again, this is what Jesus was calling out. So let's let's lay a foundation for what fasting could practically look like in our lives. So so far we've talked about um, fasting kind of in the relation and in the realm of food. But is the rhythm of fasting strictly talking about food? Or can someone fast something else and still honor God through that fast? The simple answer is biblical fasting is not limited to food and can encompass other things. One um, pretty blatant example of this is in 1 Corinthians 7. It's an example of fasting that is not about food. And once again, the, the heart and the motivation of fasting is to deny oneself a fleshly desire to rely deeper on the authority and the sovereignty of God. So let's come back to whether or not Christians should make a rhythm of fasting if it's not commanded in the Bible. So when fasting is referenced in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, um, it's always referenced as a positive thing. It's never seen as a thing only the Jews would do under the Old Covenant. It's expected, but it's not required. And we have to remember why a person would fast. One writer put it this way. Fasting is taking your focus off of the things of this world in order to focus more on the things of God. Fasting can thus be a means of growing closer to God. Another attribute of fasting is that it in scripture it is always paired with prayer. So whenever fasting is referenced in scripture, it is always paired with prayer. And we can see this in our text tonight as it's in conjunction with Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 15 where Jesus is talking about prayer. You can think of verses 16 through 18 as a continuation of the Lord's prayer. And there's this common phrase when talking about fasting. It's, it's you can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without prayer. So why does scripture always pair fasting with prayer? So if fasting intends to heighten your awareness of your need for God, what better way to process that awareness than by using that time to seek God through prayer? Using that time to fast and lament loss, to fast and to pray prayers of petition, to fast and to pray prayers for your closest friends or pray for the pain in the world can be hugely comforting to us. And I feel as if those those are the moments that we realize how small we are, how little we are in control, but in that, We recognize the power and the authority of God and how glorious he is. And I think it's also really important for us to discuss how we view food or how we view things when we are fasting. Remember, Scripture never paints food or never paints the things being fasted as negative. For example, Acts 14, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were fasting and praying before they appointed the elders in the church of Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Another example of fasting and prayer before a decision is found in Acts 13. And I want you to see here that, that fasting is not just like withholding something bad in order to seek God. It's almost as if we're withholding something that's good in order to see how much greater God is. So, what could be some things that we could fast from that maybe isn't food? Um, Maybe for you, it's video games. Gasp. Maybe for you, it is YouTube, Netflix, Disney+, whatever streaming platform you watch on. Maybe for you, the, the fast would include social media. Maybe your fast would include your phone altogether. Maybe for you it would be fasting sports. I don't know what that would look like because if you're in a sport right now, you can't just quit your sport because you committed to it. So don't do that. But maybe for you, there's a season in your life where you're like, I'm always doing sports. I do like four sports a year. What would it look like for you to do three? What would it look like for you to maybe do two? Would it what? Oh, what I get out of here. Um, maybe for you, it's fasting an extra thing with theater or drama or bands. And if you look at each one of these things, you'll see that none of them in and of themselves are are negative things. None of these are are evil. But the thing is is none of those things are bad or negative when they're kept in check. However, they can become distractions and cause us to lose sight of what's most important, and these things can quickly become idols that we place our hope and our trust in. Here's a definition of an idol. John Piper says this. He says, anything that we come to rely on for some blessing or help or guidance in the place of a wholehearted reliance on the true and living God. And at first glance, you may not think that you view sports, you may not think that you view video games or your phone as a thing that you rely on for blessing or for help or guidance, but the interesting thing is, is if you were to take a few moments of introspection and take some time and self-reflection, you might actually change your mind. You might begin to realize that your image on Instagram is the most important thing to you. It dictates what you wear. It dictates what you say, how you say it, and what you don't say. It consumes all of your mental energy. It consumes all of your time. Maybe for you, you use your phone, video games, Netflix, or Disney Plus as a way to escape from reality. You feel as if the connection that you experience will cure your loneliness or give you an escape so you don't have to think about the things that you don't like about yourself. And maybe doing a fast from one of these things will help you remember that your identity is ultimately found in Jesus, and that relationship is what brings you fulfillment in this life.
1: So now you may be thinking, what are some next steps for me? How do I practically apply this to my life right now? Maybe for you, you can begin by fasting breakfast or lunch one day a week. And you use that time when you would be eating to pray. You can pray prayers of petition, prayers of lament, or maybe about things that are weighing on your heart and on your mind. And if you have any health issues that doesn't allow you to fast from food, what else could you choose to fast from? Pastor Taylor named some. Could you use to fast from your phone or video games or TV for a couple of hours? Maybe you could fast from social media for a whole day. (laughs) And it's not that you're going to pray 24-7 during that time, but maybe in those moments when you desire to get on social media or be on electronics, that you can intentionally use that time instead to pray for others. Maybe for someone you know that is struggling or in a really hard situation. As Pastor Taylor talked about, it is not that we are commanded to do this on a weekly basis, but we are encouraged to make a habit and rhythm of fasting as a Christian. So does that look like skipping a meal once a month, or taking a break from social media for a day, and intentionally using that time to further align yourself with God? And remember, this passage that we've talked about tonight is very clear about our motivations— So the last thought we wanna leave you guys with is this. Our motivation to temporarily deny food or things should be to honor God, not to receive recognition from others. So we are gonna talk a little bit more about this in our small groups. Just like back when we were in the gym, we're gonna have high school in the front, middle school in the back, girls on this side, boys on this side, and you guys are dismissed to your small groups.